dedicated, obsessed, focused. This is the Masters of Fitness Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the Master Fitness Podcast, episode number 18, Living an Impactful Life. Today, I think we got a real good one that people are going to enjoy for them today. Dad, what you got to say about that? What you think? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Everybody ought to like this one. Real, um, real popular guy, real energetic guy. You know, hopefully after this podcast, you'll be a better person, a better leader, <laughs> self-motivated. I've been a, a competitor. A competitor, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was reading this. At, I was kind of going through the book, reading it at work today and kind of going through this guy's uh, Instagram page and Facebook page. And you're talking about some motivational stuff right there and just, you know, oh, yeah. helping he started, you know, just reading the stories, going through his life, man, some real motivational stuff. So what else going on? That urge you got the new arrow salt runner today. You had to wait yeah. a long time, but it made count time. You know, we always yeah. got to look. I just want to tell hey. y'all some people. Thad is a copycat. He came to my house, <laughs> ran on my aerosol runner one time. And it, you know what? I'm going to piggyback off the book. It goes into one of the chapters in the book where it talks about surrounding yourself with the right and like-minded people. So mm-hmm. Thad came home, came here, got motivated to make yourself a better person. He said, man, Ernie, should I buy this thing? <laughs> it's going to make you a better runner? <laughs> just don't tell CC how much it really costs and you'll be all right. Yeah. I went so, home and ordered it that night. That night. So, Bob, but good stuff, man. So, Without further ado, I know the people don't want to hear us chatter along. We're going to bring right on our special guest is guys from a uh, owner of a well-known company that you guys should know, Compete Every Day. So I want you to, uh, everybody, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Jake Thompson. What's up, guys? Hey, man. How you doing, man? How you Good. doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Dad's got Hello. the old school shirt on, too. Yeah. Old you know yeah. that, huh? I did. I did. I'm going to tell you, it's these, these shirts here are some of the my most favorite ones. They're comfortable. These suckers are comfortable. <clears throat> thank you. What's so happening what's tonight? What's going on, man? Thank you. First off, like I said, thank you for joining the show, man. It's been a real pleasure to have you on and, uh, you know, get one of our, I will say one of our star guests. So one of our star guests we have so far, man. So so well, what's thanks, going man. on, man? Tell little people about yourself, what you got going on, who you are. First, yeah. Thing, well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. So my name's Jake Thompson. I'm with. I started a company. Man, it's been 2011, nine years ago. Really? Uh, called Compete Every Day. Yeah, it'll be nine years in May. So like tomorrow, I think the, the official first date we had an online sale was like May 10th, May 11th. Uh, so we're coming up on the nine year anniversary. Uh, honestly, back then I was like selling t-shirts out of the trunk of my car behind a crossfit gym. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was just, I had the idea, spent six to eight months trying things. Nothing worked kind of like that whole, you got a cool idea. You have a brand name. What are you going to do with it? And my best friend was my roommate suggested. I look at t-shirts. Uh, I'd gotten into CrossFit at the time. So wearing the t-shirts all the time, working out, Thought, why not put some money into uh, a couple of boxes of shirts and tanks, started selling them behind the gym to anyone that would pay me mind and man, started started a ride. I didn't know what I was in for. So you pretty That's much cool. just working out one day and was like, you know what, I'm going to start selling some shirts out the back of my truck and just. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's funny. I so I grew up wanting to be the next Jerry Maguire. Like I wanted okay. to be the sports agent guy in college, went to grad school for it, interned for an agency. Uh, worked for an agent kind of when he split off on his own. And, and a couple of years into that, I was like, this is this is not what I want. Like, uh, it just wasn't where I wanted to be. And so I got out. That was fall of 2008. Uh, so a little bit about not quite as bad as we're in now from an economic standpoint, but definitely a bad time with the recession. Yeah, 2008 yeah. was a tough time. Yeah. And, and I couldn't get a job. Uh, I couldn't. I had a master's in sports and entertainment business. I had non-traditional work experience. Best Buy wouldn't even hire me for part-time work during the holidays. Like I was kind of in a bad spot, but I knew marketing, I knew branding. I taught myself a bunch of design programs and things on the side at this agency. So I just started reaching out to clients and or old clients and contacts and companies and just been like, Hey, do you need any help with this stuff? Yeah. Social media was starting to take off. I started working with companies flash forward a couple of years. I was making really good money. Uh, I was doing marketing consulting, but I wasn't happy um, is the best way to put it. Like it just, it wasn't that long-term itch. It was paying bills. It was helping me buy toys, but there was the way I, I kind of classified in the book, the way I talk about it in my talks is, 
it's like a sandcastle, like having mm-hmm. this really awesome sandcastle because it was all about me. It was all about how much money was I putting in my account? How many toys were I going to, was I going <laughs> to buy for myself? And at the end of the day, like my time was limited and it's all I could sell and I wasn't doing anything to impact others. And so I started mm-hmm. toying with this idea of what would it look like to pursue greatness in your life? What would it look like if you just all out gave it your best in every single area so that you did, you weren't left with like a, what if you weren't, you yeah. weren't like an athlete leaving the field at the end of the game thinking, man, if I just practice harder mm-hmm. this off season, if I hadn't, you know, been so lazy in the summers and actually trained, like, could I have been more prepared for this? Yeah. Could we have won? And so I started thinking about that from a life standpoint and I've always been a really competitive guy. And mm-hmm. so the idea of competing every day, I threw it out to two buddies on a ski trip. I was like, I'm thinking about like this for a brand. <laughs> I don't know what I want to do with it, but I, I think this is it. And they're like, dude, that's you. Like, yeah, if you yeah. ever lose, like in Madden, like you're like, screw it, let's play again. Like we're playing <laughs> until I win. Like, I, I am just so ultra competitive, which what worked out well with CrossFit early on is, is that competitive side was re-energized where it hadn't been in so long for me from sports. And I yeah. started looking at that and the parallels with life. And so, yeah, I ran with it from t-shirts and, and started selling it and Thought for a while we'd just be a t-shirt company. I was like, man, we're going to build the next Nike, the next Lulu, and started going down that path. I was like, this is not what I want to do with it. <laughs> not just selling, not just selling t-shirts. Yeah, I, you know, there's there's pros and cons to it. But for me, it was like, there's only so much I can do with a t-shirt. And when yeah. I was at events, I was meeting these awesome people and I was talking. But a lot of times we talk about the meanings behind the shirts and people would kind of want to know more. And like a lot of gym shirts, we know them, like they're funny. Like you want to wear them because they're, you know, it's got a funny slogan and, and we do some of those shirts. But like, for me, it was like, there's something more because like the whole point of the company is I want to shift your perspective on how you see your life and how you show yeah. up. And so with that, you know, about five years ago, four or five years ago, my team and I started talking and, and brainstorming on how do we shift this brand, knowing that it could take some serious lumps early on. And we just started moving the ship. We started testing stuff, figuring out what worked. And, and honestly, the last two years, it's felt like we really hit our stride. And, mm. and so people laugh when I've had interviews with, with guys that are at some companies or people that have just meeting me for the first time. They're like, oh my gosh, I love your branding and da, 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 da. You know, I'm still struggling here. I'm like, dude, it took me like seven years <laughs> of getting involved, testing and just having fortunately uh, customers and people that were so patient with us and just that I see what you're trying to say. I see the message. And then once we hit stride, now it's like, we're starting to throw gasoline on the fire, which is a lot of fun. So let's, uh, so that's how you came up with the name compete every day. Just backtracking a little bit. Something you said earlier is the fact that you had that burning desire to just get out of the rat race of just doing what was paying the bills. So how many, just a rough, how many people you think now, just in the world or society today, just are going through like the same motions having that empty feeling is like, you know what? I need to do more, but I'm comfortable. I'm paying my bills. Yeah. I I think there's, man, I, I would say over 50% of the people I talk to at events and stuff. And, and you, you, you talk to a lot of people and a lot of them it's comfort because they've been down this path for so long with this job. And they're like, I'm 10, 15 years in, yeah. I can't change at this point. Like who's going to hire me in my mid to late thirties in a new career, or I'm making good money now. Do I really want to give that up? And it's okay. I mean, for you, it's your life. You have to decide. But what I, what I try to push back and challenge them is, is like, if you knew you were going to die in 12 months, like what were you, what would you do? What yeah. would you really do with your life? And, and a lot of them are like, I, I do this and this and has nothing to do with what they're doing. And so some of the conversations I've had, especially when I finish talking on, on stages is like, what if you saved up and built a 12 month fund, a safety net for you, that if you lost your job, you were set for 12 months. And then what if once you built that up, you try to do what you actually wanted to do. You took a job that was paying less, but you mm. were good because you had a safety net. Yeah. At the worst, you go back and get another job like what you were doing before because yeah. you have 15, 20 years of experience, but you you don't have the what if. You're like, I gave it a shot. It didn't work. Or I gave it a shot and it did work. Um, I, I think comfort is the most dangerous thing for every mm. single. It's, it's dangerous from a health perspective, fitness perspective. I mean, I mean, guys, it, from a fitness, comfortable is not a good workout. No, no, like, it's not. I, if feel, I am not like... 
I feel guilty Sweating. when I'm in out and I get comfortable. I'm yeah. like, well, you know what? I didn't push it hard enough today. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, and that's, so we look at it from a physical sense. And that was me. Like I got it with sports. I got it with working out. If I put in the work, if I get uncomfortable, if I push myself until where I want to puke or my side hurts and I'm exhausted, like I'm going to get better. But like I talk about in the book, I got so off track with life that I just yeah. felt like success was for the quote unquote cool people or just those other people or opportunity was going to fall in my lap because of who I thought I was. And it so doesn't work that way. No. So how long? So what was, did you have like a tipping point in your life where you're just like, you know, you know, it's never really just no one finite point to like, OK, I have this job. I'm doing good. I'm getting the things I want to be like, screw this. I'm going to start selling T-shirts. How much? So really the, the big turning point for me was probably 2010. I read a book by a guy named Donald Miller and it's called mm-hmm. a million miles in a thousand years. Mm-hmm. And in the book, Miller had written other books in the past. And one of them, these movie producers wanted to turn it into a movie. And so this a million miles book is about, it's kind of a memoir of him talking about the process of them wanting to turn this first book into a movie and what he learns about stories. And mm-hmm. really Miller's point is, if we went to a movie theater, we sat down, we watched a movie of this guy that wanted a, a nice car. Doesn't matter what the car is. He just wants a really nice car. He works his job, saves up his money, buys his car, drives off, roll credits. Like we would be annoyed. We would have walked out of the movie. We'd be pissed off because we wasted two hours watching this. Miller goes through and he says, the stories we love, they have conflict. They have a main character who's willing to step into the unknown, step into discomfort, whether it's a Luke Skywalker taking on the evil empire, whether it's a a romantic movie of somebody just getting out of their comfort zone and normal to ask someone out. We want that character. We want someone who who's in it and pursuing something much bigger than just themselves. And the biggest is they invite others alongside them. And I remember reading that book and just being shaken about the type of story my life was living to that point and how crappy it was Yeah, and how like, on the outside, it might have looked really cool, but like if I was totally honest with myself, the story I was living was not one worth telling. No one would want to oh. make a movie about it. Nobody, I wasn't <laughs> impacting people. And so when I read that, I was like, I got to change it. And so it just became this process of, of slowly tinkering and, and trying to change things and figure this out. And eventually it became the, the apparel was kind of just honestly the vehicle that gave me the best opportunity at that time to tell people that their life was worth competing for. And so that was kind of it. It was just that one reading that book started the chain reaction. Uh, And it's like, I talk about in the opening chapters of the book, one book, one relationship, one workout, it's not going to change your life overnight, but it it could be the spark. And all we need is the spark. It's funny because I always, I was, I did a little interview with my daughter the other day and before we went on the show, I always, I always would ask my kids like, okay, how do you plan on impact? How are you going to be impactful when you get older? Like what, what impact are you going to have on society? My daughter looked at me and she was like, uh, I never thought I'd do it. And her, her answer to that was she, she wanted to be a volleyball coach. She wanted to impact kids, start a home volleyball clinic. I say, well, there you go. So everybody has it inside of them. You just have to find what you love and pursue it. Yeah. And, and the, the coach example, I love coaches. I mean, as most of us, like coaches from a sports health perspective have had such a great impact and coaches are about helping other people get to the level of success that they want. And that's the old Zig Ziglar quote. Like if you want to succeed, help other people get to where they want to go, help yeah. them do what they want to do. And so I love that you challenge your kids with that because that's the perspective we need at that young age. It's not, what are you going to do? Who do you want to be when you grow how up? You it's, how are you going to help? Yeah. I mean, because anybody could go to, I'm not going to say anybody can, but anybody could get a job, make good money, and just go through life and just be that guy flying under the radar. But what are you going to do, do? And that's kind of what me and Thad, when we started this podcast, we are just like, Thad, let's, we like to talk about fitness. We see people do it all the time. <laughs> let's do it. I mean, but like, and, and people see it now, but it was like, they don't, like you said, no one sees the journey. They only see the destination. They don't see like the grind, the work you put into it, the Wondering in your back of your head, man, should I have done this? Should I just go back to my job? I'm not, I didn't sell no t-shirts in a couple of months. What should I do? But how do you find the energy to just keep pushing through? 
Like, how do you yeah. what motivate? What motivates the motivator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think there's a little bit of uh, a few different things. I think one is just the internal drive. Like, I believe I'm here for a purpose, and that purpose gets me up and gets me going. Uh, the second is who I surround myself with, like making sure I'm surrounding myself with those people that are sharpening me, pushing me. Uh, they're not only just going to tell me yes, but when I need to, they're going to give me a kick in the pants. They're going to say no, like you need to, to align better. Uh, and then the third for me is the people I get to impact. Like I, mm -hmm. I laughed with uh, actually last night, I was sitting there talking to my wife because I've already, I mean, the book hasn't hardly been out. And I've already gotten some just awesome messages from people of like, I can't wait for this book. Here's how your company's helped me over the years. And when I, man, when I read that, like I, I'm just a little bit overwhelmed. And, and my, the point I was making in the post, I guess two nights ago is my wife laughed is like, I'm not an emotional guy. Like I, I, I I'm passionate. I'm fiery. But like, whoa. I, that was not, was that me or one of y'all? Cause no. I've got two wild ones. Uh, no, over here. It's okay. Normally it's, it's mine. Um, but yeah, I'm not just like, I, you know, she laughs. She's like, you didn't cry at your wedding. And I see you like getting misty eyed on this. Like I cried when our dog died and, and, but I've gotten these emails over the last week and I've gotten a ton over the last, I'll say 10 years. And I save them in a folder that just like, Man, those are the people that fire me up because you you know it's not falling on deaf ears. And yeah. we got an, a letter, man, it was probably six months ago, and I shared it with with Rogue Fitness because they retail us, and and specifically this one shirt that we had. This guy just emailed us and said, "Hey, I you know I just wanted you to know I bought this shirt. I was preparing to kill myself that night. He was like, wow. I had a fight with my wife." He said, I, I was drinking and I got on my phone and just decided for some reason I was going to scroll Facebook. And then I was going to just either, I think he said, take a bunch of pills. And he said, I saw your shirt pop up in an ad and I clicked on it and I looked at it and I said, I'm better than this. Ordered the shirt. And he's like, I just want to say thank you. And like, I'm reading that, like tears are running down yeah. my face. And I'm like, that's why I do it. And, and, I, and I've, and my wife and I have talked about it because we took, I took financial lumps. We, our company took major lumps a few years ago when we started shifting it away from what we had done with just t-shirts to what we're mm -hmm. doing now. And I was like, it's worth it. Like every single, like slow, whatever it is worth it for those kind of things. And so for me as a motivator, knowing that you can help others is all that counts. Just yeah. that constant reinforcement, knowing like what am I doing? What I'm doing is making an impact. Yeah, and and you you're not focused. And I posted it last night on Instagram. I was like, you know, a leader. You're not caring. It's not about how many followers you have. It's about how many how you're impacting the people that are following you. Yes. So whether it's one, ten, twenty, <laughs> two thousand, twenty thousand, like how are you investing in them? And for me, like one person, I'm like that's all I need. Like, I don't need to know that I got 20, 30,000 people taking everything and running. I'd love it. It helps us as a company reach more people, but man, if you're hitting one, if you're focused on impacting one, go with it, run with it. It means yeah. more than anything. We've made that dash that that's that, that time between our birth date and our death matter. If we can make that impact. Yeah, it's kind of like coaching CrossFit. You know, you go out there and I coach, you know, I coach lots of people and every now and then there's just this one person that really, really grabs a hold of things and starts improving and their whole life changes, you know, and, and you sit there and watch all that unfold, you know, over a period of three or four months, five months or whatever it is, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's worth everything. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have those people in our lives that for them, they may never know it. And I, and I laugh when I talk to parents of like, I'll go talk to a school or in an event and they're like, Oh my gosh, I've been telling my kid that it looks like he got it. Yeah. And I'm like, he's hearing you or she's hearing you. It's just, there's a third party. That's not mom. That's not dad. That's not the boss. Enforces it. So know that the only reason it impacted from what I said is because you kept planting those seeds with them. Man, that's some good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So how do you overcome failure? Like when you hit that point of failure, how do you push through? What, is, what, can people, what can some people do like to push through that fear of actually not just fear of failure or when you fail to keep going? Yeah, uh, I've been through plenty of it over the last 10 years. So I can tell you what works, what doesn't. Uh, for me, it's, it's the idea of looking at it as a learning experience. 
I, I think so many times we get stuck on this idea of failure is the end of the road. It's the dead end. Yes. And the one thing I love about competition is when you're on that field, you're on that court, you either win or you figure out pretty fast what it's going to take to take win. To win. Yeah. That's right. You, you understand that gap. And we all have to understand that gap in life. And so for me, failure, if you can look at it, not as the end of the road, but what did I learn from it? How am I going to improve and get better? And the big piece is documenting it. Uh, mm. One of the things I, I love to do that I, I talk a little bit in the book about, I talk a little bit with my, my clients about is every night uh, I challenge them on their nightstand just to keep a little notepad. And at the end of the day, write down one thing from that day that they wish had gone differently or how they'd handled it differently. So it's got to be in their mm. control, but maybe you were a little short with a, with a spouse. Maybe you mm. uh, you know, weren't as patient with your kids or weren't as paying attention. Maybe you spent too much time on social media, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be extreme. It doesn't have to be a major failure. But it, looking back at the day, you're like, I'd love a do over there. I want them to write it down. And then I have them write down, what am I going to do next time? And the reason for that is most of us get to the end of the day or past an experience or a failure. And we're like, man, I wouldn't do that again. And then we just leave it at that. Like mentally, we're going to remember it. But so many things are going on in our head. Yeah. But when we write it down, it's like, why we remember writing notes better than we do typing them. Like it starts to stick in the brain better. So you write it down right before you go to bed. So then it's starting to cement into your thoughts at night. And neuroplasticity and how the brain works and builds those connections is, is just a miracle in and of itself. But all it wants to do, all it's created for is to create a gap. So the next time you're in that position where, man, last time I was here, I failed. Or last time I did a yeah. poor job at this. And then if you can create just a pause to be like, you know what? I wrote down that the next time I'm here, I want to do better. Here's what I want to do. Because most of us, when we follow it away in our heads, we get in that spot and we react the same way. We just instinctively fly off the handle. We do yeah. whatever we did the last time. But when we write it down, we reinforce it a few times. We start to think, oh, this is how I want to respond. And so that's the first one. And then the second one is really challenging people to look at every past situation as a room for learning something to get better. And if you start doing it that, you start looking at everything as a giant science experiment. Yeah. Well, that didn't work. What can I do next time? <laughs> I get a workout, man. We Let's say it's a, a five-round workout. If we come out of the gate blazing on the first round, two rounds, because we got to go, and then we die before we get to that fifth round, yeah. well, then we kind of failed if you wanted to look at it that way. But if you look at it the next time and say, okay, last time I learned, do not come out of the gate flying. I've got to pace the first few rounds to blow it out at the end. Then you've learned something. It's the same setup in life. Things go our way. Things go, you know, things happen to us. Uh, that we cause the bad things. Sometimes bad things happen outside of our control, like like COVID. But what are we going to learn from that experience and help get us better on? Cool, cool, man. That's some uh, real good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I liked your uh, your your uh, COVID uh, post. Uh, when was that? You posted that this morning? Or yeah, that yeah, about time? me on the train with the ah face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean. It's, yeah. It's been a constant theme. And, and essentially the point was like, I had another event cancel. That's like five I've had canceled because of COVID. Some we've had to mm -hmm. repay. Some we've had to postpone till next year. Mm. Uh, and it, It's frustrating. But at the same time, like complaining about it's not going to do anything. Like being right. mad and upset. And so I, I shared, you know, I can still be upset and still choose to take action. I can be frustrated with the situation and still choose to get work done, to use this new time. And, and that's kind of how I've looked at it is I've had bad days over the last month and a half. I've had frustrating days, but I've also said, you know what? It's going to be one bad day or one bad afternoon. It's not going to be two bad days or, or a week or a month. I'm going to get back and get after it tomorrow. And with that post, especially, I was like, cool. I'm suddenly not traveling between March and now August. It's the mm -hmm. long, excuse me, is the longest time I've been home in over a decade. My wife is like, when you travel again, I was like, not for a while, babe. Uh, and, and so for me, I'm like, oh, that's so, I could be like, man, this sucks. I can't travel. I can't go speak. Can't do what I love. Like the blah, blah. Or I can be like, man, I have six months, five months. I'm home. What can I do? Yeah. Cool. We've talked about this new podcast we need to launch. I need to get that done. I got to start going I got to create this daily journal, like all of these things. I'm like, I have no excuses not to get these done before August because I'm not traveling. So am I going to yeah, look yeah. at it like, woe is me or like, 
hey, what can I prove and what can I do? Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the kicking me and Thad's butt to get everything back going again. It's like we had all the time in the world. So well, let's kick the podcast back up again. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, it's hard because you take that mental punch. And I think yeah. all of us took a mental punch with this when life just kind of shut us down. If you shut off your income, it shut off your, your schedule. It changed everything. And, you know, I, for the, a while I was like, control the controllables. Like, what do I control well, yeah. my attitude, effort and actions today? How am I going to show up? Can't do that, but what can I do? And, and for a lot of us, it's the same with fitness. It's the same in nutrition. We think we can't lose a hundred pounds overnight or we can't get super in shape overnight. There's so much work to do, but we, we just can't do anything yeah. versus like, you can go out and walk for 30 minutes. Like you can choose mm-hmm. to eat clean today. Like just cause you can't do everything doesn't mean you can't do something. Yes. Oh, we got a question. I think my wife asked a question. How much of fitness is mental and how much is physical? <laughs> I, I actually think it's probably 90% mental because it comes down to showing up consistently, doing what the coach says, and then once you start <laughs> to feel uncomfortable, continuing to push yourself forward. I think that's the, that's that's life in general. Life is 90% mental. I'm going to say that about my wife. Like sometimes the coach is your husband wife. So <laughs> Dude, oh, I, I, and I would imagine like it's a little bit different dynamic taking yeah. coaching instruction from you. My wife, she'll die if she's watching. So I hope, hopefully she is. Uh, I made her go do, when we first started dating, I made her do CrossFit. And I was like, come to a class with me. And so we show up and she warns me ahead of time. She's like, I've never worked out well with people I've dated. Like, don't expect what you go do. Your thing. I'm like, fine. I'm going to go over here and go with the, the competitive yeah, group. You hear yeah. with the intro. We're good. We get through the warm up, and she like comes over like deer in headlights. She was like, do not leave my side. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, you got to work out with me. And I'm thinking in the back, like, we're still early dating. I'm like, well, I'm not going to coach her. Like, I'm just going to do all the reps. Yeah. And my buddy, who's one of the coaches, like came over and was kind of helping her. And he laughed afterwards. He's like, I've never seen Jake work so hard. He did like <laughs> 90 to 95% of the reps in a partner workout. And I was like, she told me I couldn't work out with her ever. And I was like, I knew better than to coach her instructor because that's yeah. not going to go well. So I can't, I can't imagine. But the mental side, it, it's the same. It's the mental side of, I don't want to listen to you. You're my spouse. <laughs> but i but i know you know what i'm talking about so i, yeah. I need to listen to you yeah cool yeah, so that's you, good uh, do, you, do, you Sorry, still, do you still crossfit so i retired about three years ago i say okay. retired after a torn lat uh Ooh. knee issues uh tear i had shoulder issues tons from overhead just poor shoulder mobility yeah uh got into more of a studio fitness that was really a lot of crossfit Mm-hmm. without kipping. Uh, so we okay. didn't snatch, we didn't kip pull-ups, everything was strict. Uh, really, really enjoyed that. Um, and then just kind of got in a routine over the last year because my travel took off mm-hmm. uh, that I would bounce into different styles. So I would do CrossFit okay. one day, I would do garage workout or outdoor run, I'd go up and squat uh, and then maybe drop into an F45 class, just something to mix up. A good variety, stay mentally fresh. Yeah, and, and it for me, it helps from a, a connecting standpoint and networking. The more people I can connect with, the more people I can kind of introduce the brand to. Uh, but really, it, it if I get stuck, if I'm doing, if I know Monday through Friday is, hey, we're doing upper body, lower body rest. Yeah. I, like mentally, I start to fry out a little bit on mm-hmm. that because I'm like, I want to be, put i want to do something where i'm not that good at this movement i am not I, I don't have that kind of footwork down like you know you go into i don't know if you guys have ever done like a soul cycle spin class but oh yeah i dropped into one of those when i was traveling in chicago a couple of years ago and i was a fish out of i mean they're dancing <laughs> on the lights and i'm just like trying not to die but when i got out afterwards i was like I don't think I really want to do that more but like that was a cool get out of your comfort zone experience yeah I did a hit class Saturday and I was like, man, this kicked my butt, but I kept doing it because, like, it's different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have, you don't have to be great or just good at everything. Sometimes you got to get your butt kicked and just have a good time. The question comes down to, and, and we talk about it in the book, do you care about getting better or do you care about looking perfect? Ah, there you go. I mean, it's, it, it, you have to choose progress or popularity. And, yeah. and the funny part is when you choose popularity and trying to be perfect, you never put yourself out there. You never take chances. You never get better. But when you focus on progress, you suddenly become popular over time because everybody's like, how'd you do that? How'd you hit that goal? Man, I want to be like mm-hmm. you. Like, it's funny. 
most people focus on the popularity. I just want to be popular and have this big following. But the ones that are like, how do I focus on progress? I just want to yes. get better. People want to know how you did that. So suddenly you gain that popularity. That's cool. So let's let's go ahead and segue into uh, into this very popular book, this good book that you wrote. But before we get into the book, I got a I got a bone to pick with you. I took a okay. picture of this. I took a picture of this. Oh yeah. Book. And I when I was reading the book, I was reading the book. I'm like, all right, Ernest is going to really like this one. So I read the book and I get to, I haven't relived this. I haven't relived this incident. I talked about it since the day it occurred. <laughs> it was the day that Oklahoma lost to Boise State in, uh, in, the <laughs> in that Statue of Liberty play. That, I read that again, it was like open, relive all bad memories. <laughs> My wife is a Sooner too. Oh man, that hurt, that, that loss hurt me so Bad. We were supposed to go in there. We was literally supposed to go in there and blow that team out the water. And we lost on the Statue of Liberty play. The guy goes and proposes to his wife. It's like the just like something out of Disney to Disney. Oh. I, I, <laughs> I have to laugh because my wife and majority of the friends we hang out with now are OU friend, people. Uh -huh. And so TCU and I'm a TCU guy. Every year yeah. TCU and OU. Yeah. Like I'm surrounded by all these Sooners and we haven't won since like we were dating. <laughs> and I mean, it's killer on me. And so for me to stick that in there wasn't quite as bad as when I was keynoting an event in Oregon, uh, East Oregon, like, I don't know, last October. TCU's greatest game they ever won was they were down 31-0 at half in the Alamo Bowl to the Oregon Ducks. Yeah. They rallied to win. And you can sure bet you I included that in the closing of that. You know. oh, and yeah, I don't know if you're yeah, a Ducks fan, yeah. but let's uh, let's talk. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I had to relive that being a diehard soonest. But it's all right. It's all right. You've, had, but you've had such a better run as of late. I know there's been some playoff pains, but, man, oh, yeah. winning conference, winning Heismans, like, yeah. it's a pretty good time to be a sooner. I'll trade all that for a national championship. Just one. Ah. So talk about your book a little bit, man. What's the, uh, so tell everybody what the book's about and the process of, what's the process of writing the book, man? How is it different from, I know you, you know, the motivational speaker, yeah. speaking. how is that different from actually putting that all into written words? Torture. Uh, no, I, I last, I think it's Stephen King said like writing is like cutting your arm open and just like letting yourself spill out <laughs> for me. I'd been like, my team had been on me for years to write a book. I was always going to write a book. And last year I lost out on a number of speaking gigs that point blank, the event planner said, we really like you. We think your content is perfect, but this person has a book. And so we want to go with them because they have the book. And I was like, I'll see you next year. Like, I was like, game on, like, let's go. And so for me, it was, I've been writing for, you know, nine years with Compete, just little bits and pieces. I've been collecting content and keynote speaking is kind of like being a, a stand-up comic. Like you mm -hmm. have tons of stories. And then when you're hired by a client, you piece them together to hit, help the client hit the goal that you want. And so you're using bits. And so I had all these bits. And so for me, it was kind of accumulating them. And I looked at my main keynote. And so I sat down last year on opening day of baseball season and I said, I've got to get this done. So I posted on social media. I'm starting the book. Hold me accountable. I've got to be done by game one of the World Series. That is yeah. the goal. Every day, 500, 1,000 words every day uh, yeah. before I did anything else. That's what I had to do. And so I, I went through and worked at it, worked at it. And I got to about end of May, early June, and I had a good piece together. Mm -hmm. But man, something was stuck. There's 40, 45,000 words there. Something's not fitting and I can't put my finger on it. Well, about that time, the Big Brothers, Big Sisters organization in Dallas asked me to keynote their summer conference. I was like, awesome. Well, then I start looking at my keynote and I'm like, well, this isn't going to work because I need something catchy for kids seven to 17, but I need enough meat for the adults 30 to 60 in the room. Like you got to work that audience well. And so I looked at all my content and thought, what are the seven to eight takeaways I want kids to know? Like if I could just make it in a catchy phrase and give it to these kids, what would it be? So I start listing them out. And as I'm looking at it, I just happened to look over on my desk and I had a, like a John Maxwell book that I was kind of reading through for some inspiration and how he laid stuff out. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is how he does it. He takes seven or eight points and turns them into a book. This is the book. So I deleted like 40,000 words. 
<laughs> 40,000 words. 40, 000, and and I, I've told this to people and I'm like, you only get it if you like physically you've worked out. The feeling I had was doing a workout and I hit the fourth round, the final round. I run my 400. I knock out thrusters. I yell time. I'm done. And then I look up and realize there's a fifth round. <laughs> yeah. And you just stare at the bar. Like you don't want to pick it like you're mentally you are done. And so the hardest thing for me was forcing myself to get back in front of a computer and start writing. I had the outline, but I had to write it. And so then it's just writing and writing. And so what for me, what happened, the process was I wrote the book, deleted, rewrote the book, sent it to two friends who I highly trust their their mm -hmm. inside their eyes. They were beta readers. They sent me back some edits and thoughts made the corrections. And then I went and worked with my publisher who they had a copywriter, clean it up, clean up all my references and footnotes. Uh, I, we additionally did the interior layout design. And so they handled all of that, the print, and then we got it back and are, are kind of now distributing it out through competeeveryday.com, which is immediate. Mm -hmm. And then Amazon has the Kindle, which will be available June 1st. We hope the audio book by June 1st. And then major Amazon bookstores, stuff like that will be September. So that's kind of that process. Um, and a little bit of the why behind it, but you know, honestly, the biggest thing and the biggest reason I wrote it is because I just don't want people to make the mistake that I made for so long in life yeah. to believe that things will drop into your lap. Like we have these self-limiting beliefs that success is for other people or success is going to drop in our lap or something like that. And in reality, like it's not some magic secret. There's lucky breaks without yeah. a doubt, but the but only reason people are able to, see, yeah. And, and the only reason people seize those lucky breaks is because of the work they did prior. I mean, if you guys are watching the last dance documentary on Jordan now, they they laughed as high school coaches like, yeah, he was cut as a sophomore from the varsity. Everybody knows it. It drove him to be great. Yeah. But his high school coach was like, yeah, he grew five inches between his sophomore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and I saw people online being like, well, nobody talks about that. That's a lucky break. And I'm like, yeah, but. When he went home and told his mom he didn't make the team, she's like, you got to work harder. Gotta work and he hard. went out and worked and worked and worked. So if he hadn't worked, he could have grown the five inches and it wouldn't have mattered. He might yeah, not he, have still made varsity. Yeah, he could have grew 10 inches. It wouldn't have mattered. I'm always right. thinking about that in sports. I think it was a, I think it was a shot. There's multiple guys hit good shots. But this LeBron particularly hit this one shot going to his love with one hand. Somebody's like, man, that was a lucky shot you hit. He was like, no, actually, I practiced that shot probably a thousand <laughs> times over the course of a season. So it might seem like what might seem lucky to us or other people, we can't see the hard work that was put in behind it or the position that they got themselves into to even have the break. Yeah. I mean, and there's always outliers. There's always yeah. people that, that hit a lucky break or special opportunity. Like those are out, but those are so rare. It's like winning the lottery. Yes. And you don't want to count on retirement and all your riches for winning the lottery. Like that's a fool's yeah, errand. That's not going to happen. But if you actually want to succeed, then what's the secret? And, and in the book, it's just that it's not secret. It's literally there's seven choices that leaders make every single day. And it's all 100% in our control. It's all 100% up to us. The problem is it's simple, but it's not easy. And yes. most of us want the convenient route. And so for them, the book just kind of breaks down the seven choices and then at the end gives you an actionable takeaway. Here's what it looks like in your career. Here's what it looks like in your workouts or your health. And here's what it looks like in your life and little challenges for how we can apply it. That's like one of the things I like about, I was reading a chapter in the book and it talks about being uncomfortable, like putting yourself in an uncomfortable state and getting, I kind of equated to being comfortable, being uncomfortable is kind of how you, how you can see it and help you grow from that. So how does that, how does that uncomfortableness and that competition help you grow as a person, you think? Well, I, I think the biggest is it just forces you out of your comfort zone to see what you're kind of made of. Yeah. It's that idea of I'm going to find out what I'm capable of, and if it's not enough to win, I'm going to discover what else I need to do and how to get there. I think that's the biggest one. And, and that uncomfortable, we deal with imposter syndrome. We deal with the voices and doubts to say we're not good enough. Uh, you know, we can't, we don't belong here. Somebody's going to find us out. But like all that's proving is, you're doing something you've never done before. Yes. Lean into it, embrace it. How do we get better? It's like first time you ever walked into a CrossFit gym, like everybody's nervous. Doesn't matter how great of an athlete you are, because you may think you're hot stuff. And then you walk over and you just got smoked oh. by these people. You're like, how did they smoke me in this? 
Like yeah. it's all about getting out of that comfort zone and just challenging yourself a little bit every day to raise the bar. Yes. That's all it is. How can I be better today? You know, that's kind of how I fell in, fell into the spot where I fell in with CrossFit. I, I'll never, ever, ever forget my very first workout I, I, I did. You know, I went through a two-day on-ramp at the end of that second day, the on-ramp. You know, he's like, okay, we're going to do this workout. And I'm like, all right. Man, halfway through that workout, I was dying. And I'm running around. I had some 400-meter runs, and I'm running on, like, the, the second 400-meter run. And I'm telling myself, I'm, I'm like, Dad, you know, is this what you want to do? You know, do you really like this? And I <laughs> – it was, I was hurting me that bad. And, um, it was from that point that I was like, yeah, this has got me way more uncomfortable than anything I've ever done. I want to get good at this. And I never looked back. That's been 10 years ago. But that would, that was the thing. It's like, Ooh, I like the idea that I'm not good at this. How can I get better at this? Right. And how can we take that mindset with the, with the rest of our life? I, I see Naomi's question here competition is only with that person you see in the mirror. Like that's how I have to start every keynote with it because every, I, see, I get audiences and it's all like, I love competition. Like they're all in. And then you get the people like, I don't like sports. I don't like competition, like not interested. And I have to challenge them of like, from a lot of my life, I was the person like it's me versus you. Like I'm going to beat you at everything because I saw my self-worth and identity tied up. And if I could beat you, could I prove I'm better than you? And honestly, that's a fool's errand because you're only comparing yourself to someone else. And I don't know what you went through, who you are, what head start you have, what talents, none of that. I don't know the backstory or any of it. And so I waste all my time and my energy and my focus on you. And it's kind of like being a, a track star. Mm -hmm. And if you think about Naomi, like a hundred meter sprinter, you line up at the starting line, you start running toward that finish line. If you start looking all around you to see where the other racers are, who's in the stands, who's yelling what, you slow down. Your body naturally cannot run at top speed when your shoulders are twisted or your head's turned. It's how our bodies operate. The only way you hit top speed is by staying centered to your finish line, pressing forward, focused on it. And the same applies to life. Like our greatest competition is with ourselves. It's not with the highlight reels we fall into on social media. It's not with a coworker. It's not with someone else at the gym. It's Answering the question, how am I going to do better today? And then doing your best to do that. Man, I need to go do something. <laughs> no, man, but that's but that's that's really good stuff. And you talk a lot about the, you talk about the the just enjoying the process, embracing the process, and understanding like this is failure is a part of the process, success is a part of the process, everything is a part of the process. So just just embrace it, just embrace it, just do what you need to do. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with my mistakes and this idea of being fixated on the outcome, which a lot of us do. We get so focused on the goal that we forget the process. And, and the quotes of life is a journey, it's not a destination. And you know all of the stuff that, that rolls through time and time again from a, a high-end motivational quote are, are really accurate. The people that embrace and love the idea of just doing the work every day to get better. Like, how can I show up and improve today? They're the ones that are enjoying it because otherwise, if you're so fixated on the destination and the end spot, you get to either the, the spot and you realize that's not going to quench your thirst. You're left unsatisfied. You're, you're in, it's like why we see celebrities and athletes every year that get to the top of their game. And their first question is, is that it? Like, I thought this would mean more. I thought this would fill my soul. Yeah. And it doesn't. But the ones that keep showing up, keep getting better, like they're the athletes that love practice. They're the ones that are like, man, just give me practice. Like I, I love the game so much. I just want to play it and be around it. Like that's the ones that you want because they're only focused on the process of getting better. Better. And sports has the phrase like you earn your championships in practice. You pick them up on game day. Yeah. So is that can you can a person kind of achieve that mindset by just setting micro goals or like certain goals along each level they go and not just as compared to just said a one big goal yeah yeah so really the idea and a, and a lot of research has been around setting like 90 day goals and it's mm -hmm. designed to be short sprints throughout it but really the goal is what does the day-to-day -day look like uh, and that okay. embrace the chat or embrace the process chapter i give everyone this scorecard and it's really designed to help you build your habits on a daily basis of like check the box 
Like it's six habits you want to build for your career, your life. And that is your daily process because it's, it's helping you eat the elephant. So if my goal is uh, on the speaking side, I'm not focused on how many gigs I land this year or how much income I'm focused on how many calls am I going to make every day? How many emails am I going to send out every day? Um, Because it's like running a marathon. Like if we take out and start running and suddenly we're a mile or two in, like, we're like, Oh my God, I still have 24 miles to go. (laughs) Like, what am I going to do? And we pan- and that's what happens to all of us. We start out after a new goal or a big goal. We get excited and then we start running and it's a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. It's yeah. a lot farther to where we were trying to go, whether it's weight loss, whether it's a career position, whether it's anything in life. And at that point, most people quit. They're demotivated. They're focusing on the gap between where they are now and where they're trying to go. And they just give up like plain and simple. That's why people give up. They see where they're trying to go is too far and too hard. What happens is when they give up, they're passed by the people that say, okay, this is where I want to go. I see it. I know it. But all I'm focused on is that next step or this next mm-hmm. mile. All I care about is this short-term goal. And so you're right. How do we set a daily targets, weekly targets, little bite-sized bits? And so if it's a week, for seven days, am I going to follow my meal plan? Am I going to read for 15, 20 minutes a day? Am I going to be active for 20 minutes outside? Am I going to make three sales calls? Like, am I going to send out a social media post? Like, am I following the little things that if I know I do these every single day, if I focus on these, my goals are going to take care of themselves. The championships yeah. will take care of themselves. Man, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. <clears throat> so what? So what is the main message you want people to get from, you know, from opening up the book to closing this book? What do you want somebody to become? How do you want, well, how do you want, how do you plan on shaping their minds with your book? Yeah, I think the biggest I want is once they finish the book, that they see that everything that they desire to do is going to be up to them. Like the power in Mm -hmm. where they're trying to go, the power of showing up and competing is in the little choices every day, the choices that they 100% control. And that should be the most motivating, freeing idea. Because if you realize it's up to me, it's the quote, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. That empowers people to say, I'm not a victim of my fate. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. Things will happen throughout my life. Things I control, things I don't. What matters most is how I show up, how I respond to them, and how I compete. And that, at the end of the day, is all I want them to take away. Because if they do that, they'll be able to avoid the pitfalls I made. And at the same time, they'll constantly look at life as a way to level up and learn. There you go. There's one poem I always live by. It's a mantra I kind of gained when I was in my fraternity. It's the, the ending of the poem Invictus, where he says, I'm the master of my faith. Captain. I'm the captain of my soul. That's and that right. means so much because it lets you know, like, you control your faith. You know what I'm saying? You control. If you fail, do you choose to get back up and keep working again? If you succeed, do you plan on resting on your morals or do you plan on waking up again? And like you said, getting that next goal and keep progressing, keep pushing that threshold to the uh, to the next level. So, yeah. Am I going to allow life to dictate my story or am I going to dictate my story to life? And it's and it's so and it's and I saw it. And sometimes I get frustrated, you know, because even when I talk to people about fitness, I was like, man, you know, you could change this. You know, so you could change just by taking that one step and just opening up your mind like do you find that frustrating sometimes if you don't like you like as a motivational speaker you know it's a lot of times we can motivate the masses but then it's times so you don't you know you don't necessarily get the reaction on the motivation that you want how does does that frustrate you sometimes when you kind of do that or how do you work through that without a doubt and part of it's the patience of continuing to find out what the real issue is yeah part of it's like just challenging them and like you know, some of those were conversations I had with people, right, kind of when COVID struck. And, and mm-hmm. one person in particular was just did not like my post and was kind of attacking me of like, you don't know anything bad that's ever happened. You know, y- your life's perfect because I see it on social media. Yeah. And like I got laid off and I was like, well, one, why are you choosing to attack someone who's offered to help? And two, mm-hmm the energy and efforts you're using to waste on this, you could be out spending on targets, hiring Amazon's hiring grocery stores are hiring. It may not look perfect, but does it get you to where you want to be eventually? Yes. Yes. And so that's frustrating for me, but at the same time, I know like 
people have had and been put in certain situations and been taught certain things. And sometimes it's just the patience of hammering them with the same message over and over again. And that's one thing I think we've done really well at Compete is from the shirts to the podcast, to the book, to my talks, like it's all the same message, but I'm trying to hit you from 10 different angles with it. because I know one's going to click at some point and I just got to catch you with the right message where you are. And so it's just keep planting those seeds. And so it is frustrating because people love their excuses sometimes more than they love doing work. Uh, But eventually you get to a point that says you have no one to blame, but yourself. You're in or you're out. If you want to be in, I'm happy to help. And that's you, have, tough. you have control. And that's tough for people to realize. It even is tough for, for myself or just other people to realize because we all have that doubt sometimes. But then when you get that awakening, it's refreshing. I'm like, okay, I control this. I control this. Yeah, the situation might suck, but guess what? I get to wake up tomorrow to try again. Yeah, and, and, and we get that. We get every day we get that opportunity. You can't change certain things, but, man, you get to control how you respond to them. And every, and I laugh about it toward the end of the book, but like you, we just talked about it, like the Boise State game. Like, <laughs> what does everybody remember about the game is the ending. The ending. Yeah. Nobody remembers the first quarter, the second quarter. And that's life. Like, we may have had some great things happen in high school. Cool. We were good at sports. We had this happen. Man, maybe our 20s sucked. Maybe we did this and we made some bad mistakes, but. Man, you the end of your story, your 40s, 50s, and 60s, man, look what you did. Look how you lit the world on fire. Look at what you did for all these people. And those are the stories we celebrate, the, the people that have gone to prison, changed their life, and look at all the stuff they're doing now. Like People, yeah, yeah, they went to prison, but look at everything they're doing now they're doing because now. That's yes. remember the ending. And they oh, we all control our story's ending. Good, good. Yeah, that's that's real. Like you say, back to that game, but it's kind of like every time we tried to put boys to stay away, they just wouldn't go away. <laughs> they wouldn't go away. Wouldn't go away. Then they pulled out that lucky play that they probably practiced all week, probably practiced leading up to the game. I said, you know, we're gonna roll this out there. So but man, good stuff, man. So where can people uh where can people find the book? How can they get the book? How can they purchase yeah. the book? Awesome. Yeah. So the book is available at book.competeeveryday.com. Uh, you can go to competeeveryday.com. There'll be a tab in the header for it as well. Uh, it's available in paperback right now. So if you order it, uh, I'm literally signing every copy that sold before June 1st. Uh, so you can go there and grab that. Uh, and then on Amazon has the Kindle version and we're hoping the audiobook version this summer as well. So uh, if you have to have everything, Amazon, Amazon Prime, you got to wait a little while. But if you're ordering through our website, uh, they're shipping daily. I'm old school. I like to I like to have the good paperback in my hand to grab and to can't grab do the yeah. not me. <laughs> yeah, I like the book, but um, I can't wait for the audio version of it. I really like those audio books. If not, July. I won for sure for you. <laughs> so I know you, so back to the book, just one more thing about the book. I remember you said, how, what's the, the kind of the science behind how you put the right amount of words in? Cause I'm pretty sure you had a tons of pages and conditioning it back down to, you know, yeah. maximizing the effectiveness of the read. Yeah. You know, man, that's tough. Uh, it's kind of like, for me, it's like the speaking side too. Uh, it's really, you don't want to overwhelm. Like you don't want to be where you're drinking out of a fire hose, but you've got to put enough meat in it that makes them want to try. And really that 40 to 50,000 word sweet spot was kind of where I wanted to be and where I looked at. Uh, for me as well, when I started feeling like I was pouring more into a chapter and these other chapters weren't getting that same, I started pulling that content out. So like I've already outlined, like I said, book two and three are outlined. And a lot of that is stuff from this first one. Yeah. Or it's it's modified. So one of them we're doing for college athletes and high school athletes. It's this, but it's more sports directly language because it's the same concepts, but we want to talk in their language. And I didn't want to put it in this book or, or my concept of win the next possession. The more I started pouring into the embrace the process chapter and the hard days chapter with it, I was like, this is a whole new book. Like I just need to table this over here. And so, because I want it to be, like I said, a light enough read that you can get through it. You don't feel bogged down. You don't feel like there's so much research, so many graphs. Mm-hmm. I want it to be really a light, enjoyable. But when you walk away, you're like, man, there's things I can immediately implement in this. Yeah. Cool, cool. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. So where can uh so social media, where can everybody find you at personally? What can how can yeah. they, how can people get in touch with Jake? 
Yeah, so I still run the Compete Every Day accounts. Uh, so I run okay. those in mine. So Compete Every Day on every platform, pretty much. Uh, and then mine, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. And it's just okay. uh, Instagram is Jake Thompson Speaks. Twitter is Jake A. Thompson. Shoot me a note, shoot me a DM, say you watched it on the show. Uh, happy to send you a discount code for Compete okay. Every Day. Uh, so now you've got a little reason to follow and say hi. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll make sure we get all that information from you when we get offline, and we'll put it on the actual post when we put it back into the group. So, what's your yeah. favorite? What's your favorite uh, platform for connecting with folks? How what do you prefer? I, you know, for me, I think it's Instagram. Like, Instagram? I, I, yeah, I, you know, Facebook. I still love to be connected with people. Twitter for me, man, it either is like it, it's too much sometimes. Like, I feel <laughs> like everybody's got an agenda on there. Yeah. Uh, so I really try to stick with Twitter during sports. Like we okay. put a lot of content, but I love following like live sporting events or like the, the last dance documentary. I love following it because you get all the behind the scenes. Yeah. So I follow like my favorite teams, sports writers and, and athletes just to kind of get behind the scenes on them. But for me, it's Instagram because I feel like it's the one place you're not driving a ton of politics. There's a lot of uplifting stuff on there. Yeah, true. Really easy to connect with other people there. There's a lot of fake stuff. There's fake accounts on every social platform. Yeah. Like every most trolls are like, "Hey, I've got ten followers because I just created this account to troll you." Like, <laughs> yeah. it's funny when people create accounts just to troll people. Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant has <laughs> many accounts. Yeah, he, and, uh, and a lot of people do it. It's crazy, but for me, it's like if you know, like, don't listen to the trolls. Don't listen to the critics in the stands. I'm gonna go on here. How am I controlling my feed so yeah. that I'm intentional with who I follow? Because that stuff going into me is coming out at some point. So I got to make sure it's the right type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. So that yeah. Instagram is the place I love to play. So what about your uh, podcast? What's the name of your podcast? How can they download it and listen yeah. to it? Compete Every Day is the name of it. Uh, I've, I've got actually two and a third one on the uh, on the way. Uh, so Compete Every Day is our main one. It's every Wednesday's new episodes. We do a lot of bonus content. You can find it iTunes, Spotify. Uh, the website podcast.competeeveryday.com has all of our shows on it. Okay. Uh, if you're a parent of youth athletes, I run a, a podcast called Raising Competitors. Okay, and it's cool, all cool. about how do we instill the ideas of grit, growth mindset, leadership skills in our kids, really with an emphasis on youth sports. So I talk to coaches, sports psychologists, people that work in the youth sports field about those topics. Uh, and we do about one to two episodes a month with that. So it's a little more spaced out. Uh, and then in, in June, we'll have a new daily podcast with quick two to four minute, start your day off with a strong message and idea. Uh, and so we'll start rolling that out this summer and, and we'll be announcing it on the other shows. So if you follow Compete Every Day on social, or that Compete Every Day podcast, you'll hear about it. More information, man. That's good. I got, I mean, I'm going to have to uh, check out that one about the – because I got all my kids in the sports. My daughter, oh, yeah. uh, my daughter is 15, and she's a world-class volleyball player. So, <laughs> like, so I keep trying to instill those little nuggets into yeah. like the hard work stuff. So we're going to have to check that one out. So it, good yeah, Maybe one of these days you and I should have a conversation on there. We'll talk about coaching, being a parent, being coach oh, athletes, man, fitness. Let, let's do it. Cause I mean, I have some stories to tell about that. <laughs> I, I don't even have kids and yeah. people are like, why do you have this parenting podcast? And honestly, it was because every time I would go keynote or do a workshop, parents would come up afterwards and be like, how do I teach that to my kid? How can yeah. I get my kid to get that? And I'm like, well, you know, try this and here's a story. And I try to use an athlete or, or someone the kid could relate to. And the more it popped up, the more I had people like, you need to do a kid's book. You need to. And so I was like, I just want to have conversations right now. Yeah. Just, so, of, just talk to folks. Yeah. Just talk. And so really it's like this, let's have a conversation. And then most of all of the guests either work in youth sports are a parent are you know, they're involved in it. And so even the big sports psychologists, I'm like, well, how do you teach your kid that? Like, let's talk, like, here's how you do it with your, your athlete yeah. client. How are you doing it at home? And so there's tons of great takeaways on how you ask questions and dealing with post-game stuff with kids that are on that show. Cool, cool. Me and my wife will definitely be checking that one out, man. And uh, yeah. and we'll, yeah, we'll appreciate you for joining the show, man. Some Thanks real, real good stuff, man. Hey, you got some, uh, anybody, you got my wife juiced up. No, I'm, when, I walk, <laughs> when 
when I walk out the studio and go back in the in the reason she's so she's gearing up for uh, election season. She's running for just a piece of the area, so she's about to be good for her. She's she's about, about, competition. You know, she's about to put me back yeah. to work again. So, <laughs> so man, but, but you know, for uh, everybody out there that uh, this book that Jake wrote, whenever you get finished reading this book, you're going to be ready to compete. Yeah, I can compete. promise you. It's compete good stuff. Every, compete every day, folks. A really good book. Like I said, I've been through it. I'm gonna go through it again. I took. I had to. I had to go by Dad's house last night and steal his copy, man. It's a. <laughs> it's, a uh, it's a really good book, man. It kind of goes hand in hand with the stuff you preach on your uh, social media platforms, on your Instagram page. It kind of the mantra with what you say is compete every day. Always right. go out there, challenge yourself, and just keep working. Get one life. Why would you waste yourself? Waste it settling, right? There you go. So we're going to end it on that one. That's a lie. We can get one life. Why would you waste it settling, people? So that can go, that's going to conclude our show today, guys. Make sure you uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, podcast. Download the show on Apple iTunes at mastersoffitnesspodcast.com. And we're signing out. Thank you. Until next time.